Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ellen Trackman, and I'm here with Jennifer White. Hi, Jen. Hey, I'm here. I'm really excited. Uh, (laughs) Right? Yay. It's been a while since we've been been doing this, so it's good to be back. Uh, Jen, question of the day. Do you still buy books? There's so many ways to consume information these days. You know, half of it's like social media. Are you buying books? And if yes, is it like hardback books or an actual physical you know, books? So, I mean, you have to like expand that beyond me and like have the family go to my fa- or go to my family as well. Yeah. No, I'm, um, I'm the answer. <laughs> I, so I definitely like, I, I buy books when I feel like they are super important to me or if I see one like spur of the moment, I do definitely still walk in the bookstores because I feel like they're super important to go into um, and to support. I, my husband buys a ton of books and my, and reads them and they're generally hardbacks because he's like, um, I don't, they're also really boring. I don't know. He likes to read a lot of public policy (laughs) stuff, which is always like current Mm, events. So newer books. Right. Um, and then my kiddo actually though, almost without fail reads on their Kindle on their phone. So like, Mm. not even like I have the Kindle for them, but they like abandon the actual Kindle and just read it on their phone now for the most part. And they read like voraciously. So I'm actually glad because it helps keep some costs down for me. (laughs) What about you? Yeah, makes sense. Um, I can't, I don't read hardback or, you know, actual books very often anymore. It's hard to find a time with lights and not enough noise, you know, not noise and be able to do it. So I feel like almost all of my reading these days is by uh, audiobook. And I'm always yeah. really sad when there's a recommendation for a book and I can't find it in audio form. And I'm like, oh, you have to do an audio form so I can get this done. Um, but that's not totally true. I mean, like with the kids, you know, first off, they love like um, animated type, you know, they love the Dogman books. And so we, we have all yeah. those. So you buy those. Yeah. And then when I read to them at night, I tend to be, it's just like easier to not do it on my phone. Although my husband does it with on his phone. So, I oh, wow. but, um, okay. but then I keep losing the heart. So I've just lost like the third Percy Jackson book for like the second time. So one day what? I'm going to find like a thousand Percy Jackson books in the house. So a little bit of a combo. <laughs> Um, but okay. my preference is definitely audiobooks, but I am excited when new books of people we know and love come out to get to consume yes. them. Yes. And I will admit, I mean, you know, spoiling what I say in a few minutes in our interview, um, this book I definitely bought in hardback the moment it became available. <laughs> so we are very, very excited to talk to Kristen Reese. Welcome, Tristan Reese, to the show again. So happy to have you back. I'm so excited to be here with you all again. I'm such a fan of you both and your oh, work. And, uh, we're such a fan of you. I actually, I have to start off and tell you a, Trist- a story, Tristan, that not only are we fans of you, um, and I know we're about to get into, I'll talk about this in a little bit here, but uh, when your book came out this summer, I very excitedly ordered it from my local bookstore and they said, oh, you don't even have to order it. We already had it in stock. So just so you know, book, small nice. booksellers were stocking it. So that was awesome. Oh, and thanks. I took took my child with me and went to go pick it up. And they took one look at the cover and they snatched it out of my hand. And I didn't see it again until they had read it twice. 
Aww. And I said, and they, they were so excited that I knew who you were and that I knew you. So <laughs> that was so incredible. So like my whole household was really excited about your book too. <laughs> oh, that's oh, Jen, really sweet. You Thank should get you. an, can we get an autographed version for I actually did get an autographed Ooh, version. Oh, yeah. Nice. The one that was at the bookshop was autographed. So oh. I love that. That's awesome. Well, on those stories, I will tell you that I am very thankful that you put your book out in audio form because I have not read a book in years and have been unable to. And so my version of reading a book is listening while walking the dog or driving, which would be probably unsafe to do with a hardback or even a paperback. So thank <laughs> you. Plus, there's the addition of the audio that you you personally read it. So I get to hear your voice like you're telling me the story. So oh, guess that. what? I had to audition to read my own audiobook. No, did you know that? No, I did not know no. that. That is crazy. No, yeah. no. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, okay. It makes sense though, right? Because you've heard some audiobooks read by authors that you're like, oh no, this is very boring. Um, sometimes people don't speak as well as they write, you know? And so I totally got it. I had no problem auditioning to read my own audiobook. Um, I but can't it's imagine anybody fun. who's ever talked to you does not realize that you like are animated and interesting to listen to. Like, you know, can I, I just say, actually, that's a really good point. Cause I just listened to, I, I hate to say this because he's like super famous and great, but the Sanjay Gupta book about Alzheimer's and brain health. And I was like, Oh, this is good. Um, but a lot of them like, Oh, he's so reading. Like he's just like straight reading this to me. It's almost painful. So I, and I'm sorry, the book is great by the way. Sorry, Mr. Gupta. Um, but it's, it's a good point. Anyway, back to you. Sorry. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So, so tell us, obviously, we've, we've kind of like jumped the lead here that, oh, hey, you have a book out because you didn't have this last time we talked. So tell us about kind of where your life adventures have come from. What what led you to want to write this book? And talk about the process, if you don't mind, because I know that especially for you, this had to be a very big process to open yourself up to the world. Yeah. I mean, ironically, writing a book felt much safer in a way than the ways that I had already been opening myself up to the world. You know, there's only so much control you have, even like, I won't say you, I'll say me, you know, even when I partnered with great reputable outlets to talk about transgender family building, transgender families, my personal adoption and, and pregnancy journey, there's only so much control I had over what the Washington Post or People Magazine does with my story after that, you know, and there there were certainly mistakes that I made um, just out of sheer ignorance, not knowing what I could ask for from them and, and lots of ignorance on their part too, having never told a story like mine before. And so way telling a, you know, writing a book was much more freeing because, you know, the best stories can't be told in a headline. They can't be told in a two minute, you know, super super cut video or whatever, they they need a little more room to breathe. And I wanted people to have an opportunity to, to dig into some of the nuances of a story like mine beyond the headlines. So so in some way, it was actually much, much safer to do it that way. But then in other ways, it did feel much scarier because like you can delete a tweet, you know, right. but like once once you've written a book, it's like out there. There's no take backsies. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that that did feel scary. Like, what if something I say causes harm and I, and I can't undo it? It's too late. It's gone to print. You know, it's in libraries. You, you can't 
do anything at that point. So yeah, it was it was liberating and also um, constraining at the same time. And and the story of like, how did I decide to write a book? I don't know. I don't think that I <laughs> I, I, I figured at least like a thousand people were like, hey, your story, your life is so fascinating. You should write a book. And only on like the a millionth time, you're like, fine, fine. I'll just do it to get you to stop telling me that. So <laughs> not how it happened. Well, I mean, kind of. Yes, people said like, oh, you should write a book. But in my mind, I was like, LOL, like I'm not a writer. I don't, I'm a college dropout. I'm a high school dropout. Like I didn't go to Oxford or in my mind, that was what like capital A authors are. You know, they're like fancy people over there. Um, But I did, I got an email one day from a woman who had heard my story on The Moth or something. um, And she said, you know, I'm I'm a literary agent and I work at a boutique agency in New York City. Here are the authors I've represented. I would love to tell your story. And from there, I did what I think was a supremely boss move, which was I emailed her back and I said, you know, I've had a lot of offers like this, which was not true, Um, but I just haven't found the right fit. Um, But I'm happy to, you know, give you a quick call for, to see if there is alignment here. And that was just a flat out lie. No one else had come to me (laughs) to say they wanted to be my literary agent. I basically had heart palpitations because I'm like, oh my goodness, could I write a book? And maybe with the right support, I could, you know, but I didn't want to be in that vibe of the like begging her to take me on as a client. You know, I wanted it to be the vibe of her begging me to take her on as my agent. Um, which worked like a charm. She immediately wrote back and was like, you'll be my, you know, you'll be my number one priority. Like, I love your story. I'll, you know, she, it, it, that was like the, I'm not usually good at power plays. That's just not something that I do. But in that moment I was like, oh yeah, I think I played that well because she really did view me as someone that she had to pitch to as opposed to the other way around, you know? And I was so grateful that it worked out because she has been just like a really great, She's been really honest with me about what's working and what's not working along the way, where my story can land, where it can't land. And we we were able to find an editor who was happy to work with my non, non-authorly approach. Because again, I've never written a book before. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you know, to both boost me to be like, mm, you know what you're doing, but then also to put some of those supports in place so that I Maybe didn't think about, yeah. One of those kind of things. Do you, yeah. do you feel like you did hold back because you say like, oh, I'm worried about being out there in, in print forever. But it, when I listen to it, it feels so, so personal, so vulnerable. So I am curious now if you did hold back in any way, because it doesn't feel like it when I was listening to it. Yeah. You know, where I chose to go deep and where I chose to like do a little bit more hard hitting was the personal pieces. You know, I, I, I don't ever, I'm not ever worried that someone's going to be like, oh, Tristan had doubts about becoming a parent. No, I'm worried that people are going to say, you know, the way that you told this story or the way you explained this thing really hurt me. You know, so it's like, great, I can't hurt myself. So that those are the places where I'm like, ooh, I can be really raw and vulnerable here. And I held back a lot around the other people in my story. I wanted to mm. be really kind to the people around me, from my partner, to my parents, to my in-laws, you know, to our kids' first family. You know, I tried yeah. to be as light as possible on them and as hard as possible on myself. Um, again, knowing that I, I can't hurt my own feelings um, and I didn't want to hurt anybody else. I can see I can see that. And I, I, I felt some of that, not that I felt like you were holding back, but I felt the, the absolute 
genuine kindness and love you had towards everybody else who surrounded your story. And I mean, I definitely see that in my own life that, you know, I, I don't want to control other people's narratives, especially my own child's narrative. And it took me a long time in my life to realize that. So I'm very glad that you caught that early enough that your family gets to control their own narrative too. I do feel like for those who, you know, might stumble on this episode and have not heard the first one and aren't as familiar with you, which is not possible, right? Given your celebrity, do you mind <laughs> giving me kind of like the pitch you, you generally give of like explaining your book and kind of the, you know, the events in your, in your life that led to it? Yeah, of course. Um, I tried to sort of leave some breadcrumbs along the way there for, for folks who are new to my story. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, the quick and dirty version is that my partner and I became parents overnight about a year into our romantic relationship um, when we got a call that my partner's sister couldn't take care of her two very young children, age one and three. Um, so they came to live with us for a little while and it has now been 10 years and they still won't leave. Right? <laughs> You're like, I still keep buying groceries and they come back. Oh my, I know. I'm just, I'm of course just teasing because I'm certain my 11 year old can hear me Aww. now and, and feel very comfortable in their role in our family. Um, yeah. And then a few years later, we decided that we wanted to grow our family, but, but really couldn't financially or emotionally do another adoption. And so... Um, we decided to have a biological child and I'm a transgender man. So I was assigned female at birth. I still had and presumably have healthy um, eggs and a working uterus and the testosterone I've been taking has put some of those pieces on hold, but I was able to go off of my testosterone, regain that reproductive function um, and then carry, get pregnant, carry and give birth to our littlest who is now four. Wow. Oh. Quickly. Um, I, I do want to just stop on it, this one point that I feel like has been discussed before, but I still think it's a misunderstanding in the world for most people is that at least for, for many people considering transitioning that it could um, prevent fertility in the future. And none of us are doctors, but can you share kind of your thoughts on that piece? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm, I am not a doctor. I'm just a nerd. Um, but I do train hundreds of doctors every year on the principles of trans fertility and trans-related care. Um, and you can kind of think about, you know, the reproductive cycle, you know, for those of us who have eggs and a uterus and ovaries, et cetera, you know, really the whole reproductive system is basically an, an egg processing factory. It doesn't, it's not making any eggs. All of us who have eggs are born with all the immature eggs we will ever have, but you can't make new ones. Um, and the whole ovulation process is just pulling those eggs out and getting them ready to be fertilized or not, and then get, be, you know, be shedded through the menstrual process as well as eggs are naturally, you know, naturally get shed every single month um, all the way up until menopause. Um, and what we know is that testosterone just kind of hits pause on that process while you're taking it. It doesn't seem to impact the quality or the quantity of eggs, um, which is really cool. And now we've got a lot of medical research, academic cool. um, data studies at both a quantitative and qualitative level that seem to indicate that even if you're on testosterone for more than 10 years, as I was, 
once you go off of it, your chances of getting pregnant are the same as anybody else. Your chances of of carrying, uh, you know, carrying a pregnancy and having a giving birth to a happy, beautiful baby are the exact same as anyone else. That does, of course, mean that your chances of having complications are the same as everyone else, but they're they're certainly not higher or lower. So you can be just like me, and you know, have been on testosterone for a long time, have a beard. And still be able to get pregnant and give birth just like anyone else would. I feel like that's got to be such a huge relief to hear that message for so many people. Because even when you talked about for yourself, when you went on T, that you you were told that that could be the end of fertility. I was told that that was the end of fertility. And I still get you know DMs on social media from trans folks who are like, my doctor told me I couldn't have kids once I start testosterone, I'm like, that's not just not true. Um, it's a myth and I can't seem to figure out where it came from, but that's not evidence-based practice. That's not in alignment with what providers are supposed to be telling trans people when they start hormones. Now it is true that if you would like to carry a baby, or if you want to have your eggs harvested for IVF, either for yourself and a partner or a surrogate, you can't be on testosterone as far as we know when you're doing those things. So that is what I tell people is, look, if you don't want to come off tea later on and do this, do it now. Like harvest your eggs now before you start testosterone because it is a pain going off of it. And many trans folks don't want to do it. You go on testosterone for a reason. You know, it's to either alleviate, you know, the discomfort you have with your body or to bring your body in alignment with what society sees your gender should look like. And, you know, it's a process coming off of it. And it's not, it's not a, not a pleasant process. Those people who've been through menopause can attest, you know, that messing with hormones, it's, it's, it's serious business. Um, For me, it was worth it to have a baby. For many people, it's worth it to go through the process, but you know, you talk about IVF, um, you know, like it's a process. Hormones are beasts. <laughs> right. I I was really, and again, I'm going to, maybe this is too much of a spoiler. I was really struck by your, your discussion about, I guess I'm going to try to be careful to not be too much of a spoiler, about things that you had not experienced as a, a more natural body function if you are utilize if your body is shedding eggs shall we say um when you were dealing with your um your miscarriage and it was i was absolutely because any person who goes that through that is, is absolutely devastated in that moment but on top of that you were dealing with something that you had not dealt with before in so many years and and it, we're re refeeling those feels again it, i was that I was very emotionally hit by that part. Yeah. I wanted to, again, be really honest about what pregnancy loss is like period. Um, and what it's, you know, what it could be like for a trans person, or I won't even say that just what it was like for me, you know, because there, for me, it was the loss of a potential future baby is how I saw my own miscarriage. Um, as well as, you know, just the, the, I don't know if gruesome is the right word, but just the visceral experience of having a human, you know, being a human with a body and, and, and blood, you know, just all those things that you have to get real with. I think in any fertility experience, you know, there is that thing where you're like, Oh my gosh, bodies are so weird. And like, you know, yeah, just like blood and stuff, you know, and doctors and poking and prodding all of the things. 
Um, and for me too, I really did. I was really scared that if I shared that experience too fully with my partner, that it would kind of spook him, you know? Um, sure. And then he wouldn't want to go through it again. Um, and I thought I could sort of protect myself and protect him from that. Um, it's weird. I remember watching kind of around that time, I remember watching that Amazon show Transparent. Um, and, and in the show, two of the characters had an accidental pregnancy and then a miscarriage. And she wanted to try again right away, but he was spooked by it and wanted to wait. And it was like almost a total mirror of what happened between me and my partner. And I was like, oh my gosh, so this is a thing. This isn't just a Tristan thing. This is like a thing. Um, yeah. And so I think any, any part of pregnancy, fertility, miscarriage, like any of that can be further complicated by, by being transgender. It can be for, further complicated by being LGBTQ, period. It can be further complicated by having a disability, you know? And so I, I did want to tell that, tell that story, even though it was very difficult to relive it as I was writing it. And we appreciate that because I think like you watching the transparent documentary, you're like, oh, it's not just me. So all these stories, I help other people feel like it's not just me. Um, so aside from your latest, so how we do fam family from adoption to trans pregnancy, what we learned about love and LGBTQ parenthood um, came out last summer in hardback, but it's now being released in paperback, right? So people can pre-order. Very exciting. Yeah, the, the paperback is coming. COVID has made printing really <laughs> strange. And so I don't want to guarantee a promise a date because I've heard rumblings that oh, we may have no. to push it back a little bit. Oh, but no. I think you can still pre-order it. And the audiobook is certainly available, as is the, the hardcover. Nice. And can we talk about your other book that you had that it's not just that book? You have another one coming out? Yeah, again, the release date has been delayed, but I think you can Aww. order the children's book online. Um, yeah, and it's a book that's geared towards three to five-year-olds. Nice. And, and yeah, co-written. Co-written by my partner. And if we're being honest, it was mostly written by my partner. Uh, <laughs> um, I wrote, well, I wrote a first draft and the amazing publishing company that we partnered with who came to us to say like, Hey, actually it's so funny. It's my friend bear. And, and we've been friends probably for 15 years, certainly over a decade. Oh my gosh, maybe more than 15. <laughs> well, I get it. I, you know, he and his partner have a, a, a micro press based out of Canada that does these okay. queer and trans radically racially inclusive um, books every year, every couple of years they put out you know, I think uh, eight to 10 books per series. And, you know, we've been a huge fan of their work. We've ordered all of their books. Um, they're, pa you know, past two series of books. And I could just get a text from Bear that's like, hey, you know, can we talk next week? And I was like, sure. And mm -hmm. he called me and he's like, well, I guess you know what this call is about. And I was like, no friend I have no idea and he was like oh well we want to know if you and your family would be interested in writing a book for our next series and I was like you are kidding me this is amazing yeah. I never thought that someone would ask me to write a kid's book you know so I did I, I put together a first draft and Bear was like oh I hate this and I was like, wow, that's some honesty. Okay, no problem. But at that point, my capacity was so limited that I talked to Biff. I said, so I wrote a draft and Bear hates it. Would you mind like working with him to write another, you know, 
another draft. Um, and the two of them really partnered closely to write it. And, and I, I largely have Biff to thank. Um, but Biff was sort of like, you know, can we still put your name on it? And I was like, sure. And it's a, a beautiful story that Biff wrote mm-hmm. um, that's really centered around a family, our family, getting ready to welcome a new baby. And our hope was for older siblings, um, you know, who had trans parents that were pregnant, that would be a great book for them, for mm-hmm. family members, you know, aunts and uncles, grandparents, you know, that this would be a great book for them. And then for four babies, you know, four little kids who have trans parents, you know, who maybe they were gestated by trans people, it would be a, a great book for them as well, you know, to just to have a book that shows their story. Um, yeah. And so that's what that book is. It's called The Light of You. The Light of You. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and where should people order that? Yeah. Um, I don't know how many i definitely know like some of the big places where people can buy books you can order it now the new release date is march 1st but guess what it's march 3rd and (laughs) i don't have it in my hand um but you can order it you can definitely pre-order it and it will when it comes it comes um and yeah i think what's most important is that that's a really great way to support this beautiful micro press out of Canada, who's doing this really rad work. Um, and then to, you know, to have that, to have that book that you can share with your kids, if you're interested in opening that up that conversation with them. Um, yeah. I think the trouble is like, I'm looking at like Powell's shows it as being out of stock, but mm. you can certainly for some of the, Oh yeah, you can back order it. Sweet, yeah. So I recommend Powell's. I'm I'm in Portland, so of course I'm like support our local bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> but some of the indie stores may have it as well. I'm just not totally sure if they're able how able they are to sell a book that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. So speaking of rad work, um, what are you up to these days? Oh man, um, <laughs> like what are you not up to? <laughs> well, no, I mean I'm really in a process of, I th- as I think many people are, of just realignment. You know, I've spent the last couple of years running my own consulting firm. I've built up a huge team. I've been doing these really big equity, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion projects. And I think last week, no, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I went away on a writer's retreat and just spending a little bit of time and distance. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, Oh, interesting. This isn't fun for me. And so I'm in a real process of realignment, figuring out how can I just scale back and stop hustling so much? Like I'm just, I'm so tired, you know, and I'm getting stretched so thin and getting pulled in all these directions. And so I've just been reevaluating what can I do that is a little bit easier because I feel like I have a just a, I'm not good at a lot of things I'm not good at all the things but there are a couple of things where I'm like oh yeah like I'm really good at this and I can do it with the level of ease that I need in my life right now and so yeah I'm, I'm realigning and re- being much more strategic about the partnerships that I take on yeah. um, and trying to really prioritize being a parent and being with my kids you know like whatever age your kids are at they're never going to be this age again You know, Leo's never going to be four again. Sally's never going to be 11 again, you know? And so it's just like, 
being able to spend that time with them and then having as much of myself to give when I am with them, like that's the new goal. Yeah. I, I feel like that is an amazing goal that we should all embrace, right? We all strive for that. Exactly. <sighs> just, you know, yeah. Don't want to say that everyone should do it just for me. Um, I've really been feeling like I'm giving too much of myself to my work and not enough to my kids. And I think that's the thing I'm going to regret looking back on my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No regrets for sure. That's what we all aim for. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't do regrets in general, but, but I think, you know, broadly speaking, I, I'm not going to look back and be like, oh man, I just wish I hadn't spent so much time with my kids. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, like, I don't think I'm going to say that. I think instead I'm going to look back and think, you know, why was I, what was that all for? You know, why did I say yes to so many things? Why did I spread myself so thin? And, you know, capitalism, the money thing is real. I, I do have to find a way to support my family, but just trying to figure out how I can do it and also have some something left for them at the end of the day as well. Wow. Okay. I did not expect this interview would be like motivating for all of us to like reassess our lives <laughs> and our I priorities, know. but there it is, right? Um, well, I am very excited about um, being able to tell everyone about your, your book and your other book and to let them have... Um, that resource to really, you know, see themselves if it relates to them or really just enjoy a beautifully told story. And I will say there was like tears during parts of it as well. So it's just really touching story. Oh, thank you. It's, it's so hard, you know, with your, for me with like, it's my own book. I don't know if it's any good when it was done. I had to ask me, I was like, is this good? I don't know. Um, but did you, I did, did you have ask to bear because I feel like bear would be honest with you. So. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so funny. It's so funny because one of the earliest book release events that we did was a conversation between bear and myself. And it was so funny. He said, I could just so imagine this book sitting on my mom's like nightstand. And I was like, yes, I wrote this for your mom bear. Hmm. And that's really who the book is for. You know, it, it really is for you know, people who are excited to be inclusive, who are curious about stories that are different from theirs, um, and who just want to know more. You know, that's really who I wrote it for. But I did, I did just have to reread the whole thing because when you, I don't know if y'all know this, but when it goes to paperback, you have a chance to do edits. Oh, I did not know I that. I did not know that. Did you make yeah. edits? Oh, yeah. Now I need to go buy, oh. now I need to go buy the paperback too and have both. <laughs> No, I'm talking about, listen, I do a lot of writing now. I do, I'm a content creator. I do a lot of, um, a lot of writing for, for brands. And it, for me, a lot of it was just grammar. I'm like, "Mm, this could use another comma. Got it. Or like, why does this one have a period, but this one doesn't? No, no, no. It will not be, you will not notice them, but I noticed them. And it was also harrowing having to reread the book in its entirety uh, to get it ready for, the paperback version. So super scary to do, but it was okay. You know, it, it held up. <laughs> I love it. No. And I, I will say as we, as I know we're, we're wrapping up here, but I was like 10 out of 10, uh, Jen recommends go, go buy this book, read this book. You know, again, also Jen's child, 10 out of 10 recommends this book, which if you know my child, they're a reader and yeah. They, <laughs> so a recommendation from them is huge. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much Keep in for touch. coming Let us know to us. Your, your next book and the next one after that. And we are, we are here to support you because we are such big fans. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for the work that you do as well. Helping, you know, helping people who otherwise wouldn't be able to 
form their own little empires of love. You know, that's what, that's what families are. You know, the world is a, a cold and scary place for all of us in different ways. Um, and family is one of those places where we can have, feel safe, you know, can feel safe and be loved unconditionally. Not, not all of us get to have that. And, you know, part of what you all are doing is making that possible. So I'm grateful mm, for you as well. I love that phrase. I assume that'll be one of your books, Empires of Love. I was about to say, no, I was about to steal it for our new tagline. We're going to be, I want to put a baby in you, creating empires of love. I love yes. that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Tristan. No problem at all. Thank you, Tristan Reese, for coming on again and being amazing and writing this incredible book. Everyone should go buy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I so, I, I, I completely and totally fangirl over Tristan and I'm so thankful whenever he is willing to give us any of his time. So um, yeah. And speaking of fangirling, I mean, you know, you can, you can totally fangirl over uh, Ellen and I by, oh. by oh. leaving us a review on iTunes, you know, I mean like minor fangirling, right? Or like you can just... be a fan of ridiculous merchandise. because We still have the, the merch link yes. on the website. If you need um, a sperm wearing headphones for your phone case or, you know, your favorite um, person needs some, joggers with sperm wearing headphones who doesn't so always right always a good gift. or or leave us a phone message at 303-997-1903 and and i'll tell you we love to actually get real phone messages because i get a lot of spam calls on that number so somebody call and be a real call i mean we do get real calls too but but come on make make my day be that don't call. be the irs you know don't say we want some money uh, tell me about my car warranty you know those things I, I i like real calls from real people so um as always a huge thank you to our team who makes us sound incredible to melissa to tyler to amanda and to everyone who is behind us and of course to all of you who show up and listen we really appreciate you thank you 